Thank you, Steve. Man, it's so good to see everybody this morning. For those of you who uh, maybe are in the auditorium for the first time and this is not your usual place of worship, just a quick uh, background. For the last five years or so, five, six years, we have been actively working within uh, our body of raising up people that think or believe that maybe they've got the, the word gifts of being able to preach and teach. And so we've, this has kind of been a training ground here in the auditorium. and we've had a whole crap of people that have come through in the last five or six years. Well, we're going into a new season. COVID kind of dampened things for a while because we didn't even have services in here. But we're going into a season this year where we've got some, some new people that are stepping up. We had Josiah here just a couple of weeks ago, and today we've got Payson. And I am so excited about, about yes, yeah, people stepping up and saying, you know what? I want to give this a shot, and I want to see if God has given me this gift and have the opportunity to learn and to grow. So Payson, I remember you when you were, in 2006, you were a newsie in the Christmas post, and you're about that high. So it's good to have you up here. I want to pray for you. Thank you so much, God, for Payson. Thank you for his courage and his willingness to step up, to uh, share with us your word. I just pray your blessing over him. I pray the Holy Spirit's power and guidance in and through him as he ministers to us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Any other big Kung Fu Panda fans in here? <laughs> All right. Well, I'm off to a good start. Uh, so if you're not a fan, if you don't know the movie, let me catch you up here. We've got Jack Black's voice inside an anthropomorphic panda, and uh, he's a big Kung Fu fan. And obviously not very skilled in the art, uh, but, you know, he's a big fan, wants to see the, the dragon warrior Selected the dragon warrior, of course, prophesied to bring peace uh, to the valley of peace, save it from certain doom, uh, and you know, stumbles upon being selected as the dragon warrior. And if you don't know how the movie ends, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but it's a children's movie, so you already know. Uh, <laughs> what does that have to do with anything we're going to talk about today? I uh, just wanted an excuse to show that clip because I like it. Uh, no, we, uh, so there's a line, um, there's a line in there that really got me thinking, because our, our text this week is uh, the part of the Christmas story where the shepherds come into play. And if you've ever heard any kind of sermon uh, at Christmas about the shepherds, it probably had something to do with the shepherds being these grimy, dirty, low social status folks that just kind of get thrown in the story. And... Uh, well, it, it's true, because I mean, at the time, they, they were the lowest of the low, uh, them and tax collectors. Uh, they were considered thieves and liars, and their testimony wasn't taken in court, and all that fun stuff. And so we've got this line uh, from Master Shifu. He's a red panda. I had to look that up. I thought he was some kind of squirrel. Um, <laughs> he says, that flabby panda can't possibly, possibly be the answer to our problem. Uh, and that... That got me thinking, I've got this picture of, you know, Christmas Eve night, we've got God, and he's like, hey, come here, bring some angels in, I want you to go tell those guys what's happening tonight. And the angels, they know God's got a great sense of humor. They're like, ha, good one, God, those guys can't really be who you want us to tell, right? 
So that's the only connection. That was my excuse to show a funny clip. Uh, but our, our, our sermon in a sentence this morning, God has called you to ministry and you are qualified for it. And if that also doesn't seem like it ties in, I've got you right where I want you. Uh, this is our fourth week of Advent, and hopefully you're not quite sick of the Christmas story yet. I would not blame you if you were, because we seem to talk about it every year. Uh, if you laughed at that, we're in, we're in good shape. We'd get along. Uh, <laughs> Tom started our Advent series three weeks ago in this room, uh, and he was, he, he was talking about the Christmas story in, in, first John, or in John 1. And it's not really the, the I don't know, literal Christmas story. It's, it's kind of this poetic representation of the word becoming flesh and uh, Jesus coming down and, and pitching a tent among us, pitching his tabernacle among us. And if that doesn't make any sense, I'd recommend you go back and, and watch that one uh, online. It's really good. But he was pointing back to the Old Testament, right? And reminding us that there's this huge grand story going on. Because sometimes we, we kind of hop into the Christmas story thinking like, oh, this is the beginning because this is the start of Jesus's life. Uh, but really, we, we got we to start back here because there's a huge story about what God is doing on the earth and what God is doing through people. And I, I discovered something new this year. So if we can maybe try to keep the Christmas story a little fresh, I'll, I'll share with you what I discovered. So we look back. And, and as, as we're looking at the details of the Christmas story, we can see how they point backward to how God has established his character in the Old Testament. And those details also point forward to the life and ministry of Jesus and the way that he interacts with us. And so... Without further ado, we'll hop into everybody's favorite Christmas text, Exodus chapter 3. If you thought that was funny, we're in good shape. So, And I have to flip there myself, so while we're doing that, a uh, little background. We've got the Israelites as slaves in Egypt. We've got this guy Moses who grew up uh, in, in the house of Pharaoh and then murdered an Egyptian, and now he's exiled from there. But we got... We got Moses and the burning bush is what they often call this story because it includes Moses and a burning bush. Chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought... I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. Side note, uh, the angel of the Lord is not an angel, but in fact, this is a uh, name for the physical manifestation of the presence of God in the Old Testament. So to prevent some confusion as we go forward, it's God in the bush. They just call him the angel of the Lord. When the Lord saw, this is verse 4, that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, 
Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites and others. Verse 9, and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I? That sounds familiar. Who am I? Anybody relate to that? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, this guy that just murdered an Egyptian? I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And the story goes on, and it's really good if you want to keep reading. Uh, but that's, that's all we're going to look at today. Uh, because now, now we're going to move on. And Oh, well, we, we've got Moses. Okay, we've got Moses shepherding. We've got God appears to him, says, hey, I've got this plan for deliverance, and I want you to be a part of it. And it sounds awfully familiar to our actual text for today, which is in Luke chapter 2. So if you're with me, we're going to Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. I'll give you a second. I hear a lot of pages flipping. That's good. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. Now, this is an actual angel, in case, you know, I was really trying to confuse you with all this. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you that you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And that story also goes on, and we'll get to that. But if you didn't see any of the connections there, this is where I want to remind you of my point, the Christmas story. You pick apart the details, and they point backwards to the Old Testament, and they point forward to Jesus' life and our interaction with this story. And so we're going we're gonna to look at these all together. Joey, thank you. How does God approach Moses how does God approach the shepherds? And what does that mean for the way that God approaches us? First of all, we've got Moses in the mundane, shepherding, doing his day-to-day -day work. We got the shepherds, also happen to be shepherding. That's a fun little connection. Just doing their job. And you've got us. And uh, I got a day job. think we've all got Monday through Friday routines that we consider not all that special, just kind of doing our thing. And that's where God comes to us. And he comes with a deliverance plan. So he comes to, to Moses and he says, hey, I want to take my people out of this suffering. And the, the, the literal translation is pluck them out. I want to pluck the Israelites out of Egypt and put them over here. Pretty good plan. He comes to the shepherds and he says, hey, 
There's a Savior here. This is good news for all people. It's a deliverance plan. And he comes to us. And this is, oh, this is a fun one. Because he comes to us and the deliverance plan is, hey, if you put your trust in Jesus, if you give your allegiance to Jesus, you've got new life. You've got eternal life that starts right now. And if this part is news to you, please see me after the service. We've got an invitation. He says, Moses, not only do I want to rescue my people, the Israelites, I want you to be a part of it. And this is so on point for God. It's like from the beginning of, if we go back even further, let me step further this way. If we go back even further from the beginning, from creation, all he's doing is asking humans to partner with him. We've got it. That's what the whole Old Testament, this whole book is God asking humans to partner with him. And he does it again with the shepherds. He says, hey, I've got this great news. And they didn't logistically need to be involved. But he let them know. This news is for all people. Why don't you go spread it? And he's got an invitation for us. I use the word ministry on purpose in my sermon in a sentence. Because I want to break this stigmatism that ministry is up here. Ministry's on a stage. Ministry's on Sunday mornings. That's not right. It's just not. Your life is a ministry. Dallas Willard's one of my favorite authors. He would say that you've been given a kingdom. If we go back here, Genesis chapter 1, the role of humans is to have dominion over the earth. And so Dallas Willard says, hey, you have a kingdom. And a kingdom is just your sphere of influence. It's the places you can touch. It's the people you see in your mundane, in your Monday through Friday, in your family, at your school. It's the people you have the ability to influence. And that's our invitation. And then finally, we've got a lack of qualification. If you go on in Exodus chapter 4, Moses lists a whole bunch of excuses as to why he should not be the guy. And maybe his best one is, I've got a speech impediment. I can't even talk to this, this group of people. How do you expect me to lead them out of Egypt? And we've already talked about the social status of shepherds. Their, their assignment here is to spread the word, and they are the least popular people in the region of Judea. Not a plan I would have drawn up. So what's my problem, right? What's my excuse? I'm not qualified to be up here, I'll tell you that. Don't have the technical skills. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have, you, you name your thing. And so there's a paradox, because that's not what I said in my sermon in a sentence. I said, you are qualified. We are qualified. And the paradox lies in, we are not qualified by earthly standards. We are qualified because of that invitation. Your role is to be an imager of God, and that's all you need by his standards. It's all Moses needed. It's all the shepherds needed. 
It's all we need. And so this Christmas, we're invited to join the shepherds in looking upon the face of our Savior. That's what the Christmas season is about. How are we going to respond when we see the face of our Savior? The Lord's message to you, to me, to the shepherds at Christmas was, look what I did for you. How did the shepherds respond? Back to Luke 2, verse 15. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. They spread the word. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So the shepherds looked upon the face of their Savior and they responded with action. Are we going to respond with action? You've got a kingdom. You've got a personal ministry. And you don't have to run all over town. You don't have to stand on the street corner and yell about this stuff. But you've got people that you see on a day-to-day basis. There's another quote later in Kung Fu Panda. It's, uh, it's the, the, the father of Poe the Panda. He's a stork, I think. I didn't actually look that one up. And uh, he's the noodle salesman. He's got this secret ingredient, noodle soup. But what he reveals to his son late near the climax of the movie is, there is no ingredient. There is no secret ingredient in the secret ingredient soup. And the lesson of the movie is that all you have to do to make something special is believe it's special. That's not exactly what I'm telling you today. But what I am telling you is it's you. All you have to do to believe you're qualified for this, well, all you have to do to be qualified is believe you're qualified. Let's go with that one. But spoiler alert, there is... A secret ingredient, it comes over on this part of the story. The Holy Spirit has been given us and has given us gifts. What are you going to do with yours? So I have some action steps for you. Number one, look upon the face of your Savior. That sounds very religious, doesn't it? Very Christian-y. Isn't that great? No, I tried to break this down into a little more practical steps here. Meet the Lord how you best meet the Lord. For me, that's usually worship music in the car. What is it for you? If it's worship, we're going to have another great opportunity here this morning. Reread the story again. Maybe not the whole thing, but reread the Christmas story again. Make it simple. Make it about you, because it is. Remember what I said. Look what I did for you. That's the Lord's message to us at Christmas. 
Action step number two. Figure out what story you have to tell. All the shepherds had was an experience and a story. Nothing else. They didn't know, they didn't, they didn't know the scriptures all that well. They didn't have to preach. They just had a story. I may not be able to tell this story as well as Pastor Kevin, but can I tell you about the time that Jesus changed the trajectory of my life in 2017? Can I tell you about the miracles of, miracles of healing I've seen? How about a really, really lame one? Can I tell you about the joy that I live with every day because I know the end of this story? You have a story to tell? Maybe the Lord's prompting you to tell something specific. I don't know. Action step number three. Find someone in your kingdom, in your sphere of influence, somebody you see a lot, somebody that needs blessing, and bless them. Do it. Right out of college, I worked at John Deere for a year and a half, and about four months in, I didn't like my job at all, and I was really not sure what I was doing there. And so I spent a good amount of time praying, meditating, trying to figure out why the Lord put me in that job. And he revealed that it was just one person, just one guy, one guy I worked with. He was going through a really tough time with his son, the mother of his son, going through tough times financially. And I said, all right, just spent my, spent my sh first shifts at John Deere trying to be a friend, trying to bless that guy. And uh, I'll tell you what, you don't always get the tangible result you're working for. Because I thought things were going really well. And uh, then he got transferred to another plant. Stopped seeing him every day. And then I came up with this brilliant strategy, all right, we're going to have to find him outside of work. We talked about the NBA and such a lot, and so I thought we'll get together at some local watering hole and catch an NBA game and chat. And uh, that was spring of 2020, so they shut down all the local watering holes. <laughs> and then I moved to Altoona. So it's like, well, see ya. I don't know how that's going to turn out. I don't know how that story's going to turn out. That one doesn't have a fun ending. But uh, you just got to do what the Lord puts in front of you. You got you you to serve the people. You got to serve the ministry. You got to serve your kingdom. We still play fantasy football together. We still send each other good NBA highlights. If during that time, I bet about half to three quarters of you have already thought of someone. That makes it easy. Do it. Bless them. And if you don't know how to start, how about a simple, how can I pray for you? That one goes a long way. I'm going to invite the uh, worship team back up here. And 
I want to I, I want to finish with this. God has called you to ministry. And you are qualified for it. How about God has called you to ministry and because he did, because he called you, because he gave you a destiny along with Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter one, page one of the Bible, he said, I want you to partner with me. Because of that, you are qualified for the ministry that he has for you. So as you step out of this building, the ministry's just getting started. And remember this Christmas season, let's look upon the face of our Savior. Let's remember what he did for us. And let's respond with action. Let's worship the Lord.